just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Sunday. We're in the weekend. A couple of days to let things settle a little bit. Next week promises to be crazy. But last week, well, that was a fucking shit show, especially on Friday. You see, the Republicans in the House of Representatives finally elected a Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. But it took 15 rounds, and it took Kevin McCarthy selling his soul to MAGA, and then also just trying to play games and jerry-rigging things so he could finally get elected in the 15th round. If you think last week was a shit show, you have no idea what's to come in the House of Representatives. I'll be surprised if Kevin McCarthy lasts the year as the Speaker of the House. Kevin didn't care, though. All he wanted was that title. And once he got it, he strutted around like he is a conquering hero. I don't know if I would have been proud about how the way I won that speakership if I had to go through the things that Kevin McCarthy did. But, you know, to each his own. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But first, let's check in on some emails. This one comes from Dennis. He's written before. Hey, Mike, thanks for taking time to discuss and answer my question the other day. And a big thanks for the shout out of my TikTok. That was really nice of you and I appreciate it. No problem. I figured I'd reach out to you again and ask you for your thoughts on something else. It's always rad to hear your takes on these kinds of things. And the email segment of your podcast is one of my favorite parts. And I'll be honest, I get that a lot. People love hearing the emails because they like to hear what you're thinking what your questions are, or what your opinions are. So that's why I always implore you to send me an email. If it's a short one or a long one, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is go to rationalboomer at gmail.com, send me an email. Next show, you're on. Now, if you're really brave, you can be a guest on the show. We've done this many times before, but it's been kind of slim pickings as far as listeners being on the show. Now, I know it might make you nervous to be on the show, but you can ask anybody who's been on this program, the Rational Boomer podcast, that I'll make it easy for you, and I won't let you embarrass yourself or put yourself in a bad situation. You want to be on the show and express your opinions and ask your questions? By all means, again, just send an email to rationalboomer at gmail.com. Anyway, Dennis goes on and says, I'm one of those far-left radical extremists. You know, the ones our pastors warned us about. I'm an outspoken anti-racist, a firm believer in equality, and I think health care should be affordable in the richest country on earth. You know, that real radical lefty shit. My God, that is amazing. (laughs) How can you even say that shit? Well, on the other hand, my dad is a pretty hardcore right winger. It's caused a lot of tension between us over the years, to say the least. It's not even that he knows anything about politics. He's just a total ass clown. So you guys are close, huh? 
So the Republican Party is a perfect fit for him, obviously. He's racist. He's misogynistic. He thinks helping anyone in any way is a handout. He worked and retired from the military-industrial complex, and he could care less about statistics and facts that clearly prove his ideology dumb as shit. So say you're a trump without saying you're a trump I know exactly who your dad is. I've met these people a number of times. I had a dad who was not so different. Now, Dennis goes on to say, overall, he's a hateful, entitled, and insecure man. It made me wonder why my dad and I are so completely opposite. Why do I have empathy for others and he wouldn't piss on a homeless person to save their life? I can't even go to dinner with him because he will treat the servers like shit and it's embarrassing. I'd love to hear your take on this. I believe you mentioned a few weeks, months ago, that you had a a similar kind of relationship with your pops. I did. I know exactly what you're talking about because I had a similar situation. He goes on to say, I've been uh, curious about what makes someone's choice to be right or left-leaning. And that led me to look up some studies on the relationship between mental and medical factors and political ideology. One study published in the journal Psychological Science found that people who scored higher on measures of anxiety and intolerance of uncertainty were more likely to hold conservative beliefs, while those higher scores on measures of openness and curiosity were more likely to hold liberal beliefs. Another study published in the journal, Psychiatry Research, found that people with higher levels of narcissistic personality traits were were more likely to endorse right-wing authoritarianism and social dominance orientation, which are often associated with conservative beliefs. There's also research that suggests genetics may play a role in the political ideology. With one study finding that people with particular variant of the gene AVPR1A were more likely to report conservative beliefs. You dug deep on this motherfucker, didn't you? I had no contact with my pops for a year and only recently allowed him into my life a little bit. With clear and precise boundaries and no political conversations is the big one. But even though we don't talk directly about politics, there is the weird undertone of politics in every single conversation. For example, I don't know why I should be paying for everyone's student loans. Point is, he is a dick and hard to be around. I often think that if he wasn't my dad, I wouldn't have anything resembling a relationship with him because he is the kind of person I avoid at all costs. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and happy new year to you and your family. Keep it rational, my friend, Dennis. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I had the same situation with my father, although at the time when I was having this issue with my father, it wasn't really about politics because... This was some time ago, and politics weren't as big a thing as they are now. I would have to say the difference between somebody who's ultra-conservative or even a trump and people who are more liberal, it's an intellectual level. And the one thing about the conservatives or the trump I should call them the trump conservatives are a different thing. trump are not conservative. But I think the one thing about Trump is that everything they do is based on fear. 
They're weak in that regard. They will listen to conspiracy theories. They will believe pretty much anything they see as an authority tell them. And these authorities know that their trigger is fear. Oh, the brown people are coming. Socialism, communism. We're going to pay for everybody else and we're going to go broke and while the lazy people flourish. There is a certain amount of ignorance here. Either it's um, either it's f- ignorance that they were born with or they're just willfully ignorant. And I think willfully ignorant is probably most the case with a lot of these people. As I've said before, the media is largely responsible for the divisiveness in this country because you can watch one media outlet and get one story, watch another media outlet and get another story, and if you only focus on your particular media outlet, that's all you know. I've had situations where I've talked about talked to Trump LaFox, and they'll say something, and I'll dispute it with some facts, and they will literally say, I never heard that. Well, it's kind of a big story, motherfucker. Anybody with uh, fifth-grade reading skills could know this if you bothered to look. The one thing I noticed about Trump LaFox, they have a lot of emotional problems. They are scared all the time. And their reaction to being scared is like any other bully. It's to act tough and try to push back and hope against hope that you will give in. It's not until somebody pushes back, then all of a sudden they become a victim. These people are constantly looking for reasons why their life is shit. They refuse to take any responsibility for anything. If they're in a situation where you can say, hey, you were wrong and here's how you were wrong, they will refuse to accept that. In their minds, there's no possible way they could be wrong. So the problem is you really can't even negotiate or compromise with these people because they don't see any compromise. I'm right. That's it. Even if I'm wrong, I'm right. I'm not going to even talk to you about it. So I think there is some intellectual level there that is maybe lower amongst those people that are into the authoritarian or the fascism. They need some big-time leader to follow because they don't feel strong enough or powerful enough. They look at somebody like Donald Trump as a champion. We're this poor, downtrodden, beaten society, and finally we have a champion who's going to save us from all this shit. See, the problem is, is in a lot of cases, when people grow up and become adults and their lives are shit, they want to blame it on somebody else. When in fact, the only one that's responsible for the way your life is, largely, is you. Now, I know people will say, well, I had a tough life and this is, this is why I am the way I am. And for me, I say bullshit. Because regardless of how your life was, at some point you become an adult. And when you become an adult, you should know the difference between right and wrong, truth and lies. And if you can't tell the difference, that's on you. You're not smart enough or informed enough to look into it. You just believe what some clown tells you because he may appear to have money or power or fame. And that is 
something that suggests a lower intellectual level. They're easily manipulated. I mean, Donald Trump is like that. He's easily manipulated because all you have to do is feed into his ego and then he'll believe anything you tell him and he'll repeat it without checking into it. And that's how all these Trump fucks are. They don't check into anything. They hear something, they go, I like that. And then they're going to spew it as if it's facts. And you can't convince them that it's not a fact. Now, why would you, with a father like that, end up being a liberal like you are? Well, that's a good question. Same question could be asked of me. My father was a racist. He was a narcissist. He was much like your father in many ways. He was actually a lot like Donald Trump on a smaller scale. My father was very successful in business. Uh, amongst my friends, he was far and away the richest dad of all of them. So we always had a nice house and stuff, but he was an asshole. Now, he was very adept at looking like a charming guy from a distance. So a lot of people were impressed by him. It wasn't until you got close that you understood who he was, what he was at the core. And what he was at the core wasn't a good thing. Now, I understand you want to have a relationship with your dad. I think I told this story recently. About three, four weeks ago, I got it notified from from a sheriff's department in Duluth that said my father died. Now, I haven't speak, spoken to my father in 25 years. I didn't talk to him about politics or Donald Trump because I hadn't sp- spoken to him. But it wasn't just about politics. It was about everything. And for me, he just represented this dark cloud over my family when he was around when I was younger. And I chose not to have that dark cloud over my family, my sons, and now my grandkids. So I kept myself separate, myself separated from him. He also mistreated my mom and all that sort of stuff. Now, it was an interesting study in my family. My dad was like you described your dad was to be. My mom, on the other hand, was very loving, very liberal, very accepting of everybody and everything. She was a wonderful woman. Why she died before my father, I have no fucking idea. That doesn't make any sense. But that said, we had a choice to make. We could either follow our father's lead or our mother's lead. And fortunately, my father wasn't around much because he was always, quote unquote, working, you know. So we were impacted by my mom. And when we found out some of the things we found out, uh, we separated from my father Uh, My mother separated from my father, and he was kind of out of our life. And that was really more his choice than it was our choice. He was off doing whatever he doing, feeding his ego, whatever he did. So as I got older, I was more influenced by my mom. And that may be why partially I think the way I think now. But what I prefer to believe, as much as my mom was an influence on me, I'd like to believe that when I got to a point where I was old enough to understand and investigate things on my own, that I was smart enough to choose between good and bad, smart and stupid, wrong and right, truth and fact. Those are pretty simple things to discern if you put the time in and effort. Instead of just hearing something and say, yeah, I'm on board with that, look into it. 
but you have to have some genuine curiosity and you have to have some intelligence and you have to have some motivation to actually find the truth. And that's really the essence of what the Rational Boomer podcast is. I think a lot of people hear the the um, the uh, clickbait and the headlines and they think that's the whole story. But what we find out here on the Rational Boomer podcast, it's not the whole story. And then when I give people the whole story, a lot of them will say, oh, God, I feel better now. You see, the media doesn't want you to feel better. They want you to feel scared or excited or mad. They want to whip up an emotion in you because that is the essence that keeps people consuming whatever they're trawling out. But if you're smart, if you want to be truly informed, you don't take the word of the media, especially the way the media is now. You got to find out for yourself. If you truly want to know what's the truth and what is lies and what is right and what is wrong and what is bad and what is evil and what is good and decent, you got to find out yourself. You got to get off the chair. You got to look into it and educate yourself. Republicans, Trump don't seem to be willing to do that. They refuse to do it. They hear something they like, oh, the brown people are bad. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm just going to go with that. And then they take whatever bullshit facts are out there and they put it into their narrative to try to support what they're saying. It doesn't matter if what they're saying is bullshit. It's what they believe. It's what they want to be true. And they'll take these bullshit facts to support what they're trying to say. Now, that's why when I had the Trumplefux on this podcast months ago, that they didn't really have a chance. First of all, they weren't well informed. They had no facts. They had an argument that they could spew and yell and scream. But when they had to sit down and actually talk about it and uh, substantiate the things they were saying, they couldn't do it. And this has always been my problem with the media. When Donald Trump was first starting out in 2016 and all his little trump they'd go on the left-side media and they'd say crazy shit. The left-side media didn't press them. They didn't force them to tell the facts. They just let them get away with it because it was more expedient for them, more tantalizing for their audience. So they rode with it. I honestly think that people who are Trumplefucks, that are into authoritarianism, fascism, the lies, the conspiracy theories, these are some people that are broken emotionally. They have some deep-set problems that go far beyond, go far beyond politics. I saw this in my father. Like I say, the last time I talked to him was 25 years ago. Donald Trump wasn't a thing. Politics wasn't as divisive. We maybe had some differences of opinion on things, but I was younger and I didn't know shit either. But that trait was there from the time I knew him till the time he died. He was 20 years old when I was born, and in over his whole life that I was connected to him, that behavior was always there. There's something broken there. Emotionally, mentally, I don't know what it is. But these people are narcissistic. They think they are the center of society. Everything that happens affects them. When people start calling them out, they claim to be victims. 
I don't know if it's a psychosis or a neurosis or whatever the fuck it is, but there is a problem in these people's heads. All right, let's go. I hope that answered a question. I went long, that's for sure. I gave you a lot of shit. I don't know if I answered your question. Anyway, the next email comes from Brenton from Michigan, and uh, he's written a number of times. He says, morning, Mike. I hope this email finds you well. Now that the clown car has officially left the station, what could we look forward to as the Republicans take control of the House? The circus show they pulled the past four days is just the start of the chaos. I'm not sure if you saw the story, but literally day one of the 118th Congress, someone began the own the libtards by removing the metal detectors Nancy Pelosi had installed after the GOP January 6th government coup, which were at the entry of the House chamber. What other attempts at dismantling of government will we see? Trump did the same thing as president in four years. How much are they willing to destroy in two years? Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Happy New Year's. Brenton from Michigan. Yeah, I heard that too. They pulled out those mags, I think they call them, metal detectors. Not sure why they did that or even how they did that. Because up until the time that a Speaker of the House was elected, there really were no rules. There was no power. Nobody was um, sworn into office. I don't know how they did that, but they didn't. What's going to happen over the next two years? Well, I'm just going to tell you this. This election to Kevin McCarthy to make him Speaker of the House should have been the easiest quickest process for the Republicans to do. Probably the easiest vote they will have over the next two years. And you see what kind of shit show it turned out to be. What you're going to see over the next two years is more and more shit shows. As much as the MAGA fucks want to do all these things, investigations and all that stuff, they're going to have to have a majority of the people in the House of Representatives, meaning the Republicans, backing them up. But therein lies the problem. There is a division in the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. You have a smaller faction, which is MAGA or the Freedom Caucus. You have Kevin McCarthy, who's pretty much been um, saddled with being the puppet of the MAGA group, which is interesting. Like I said earlier, it's conceivable with all the powers that he let go the selling of his soul to MAGA, he may not make it through the year as the Speaker of the House. Only one person has to step up and say, we want to take a vote of no confidence. And if he's pissed enough people off, he's fucking gone. And now we're back into it, trying to elect a new Speaker of the House. And don't you think that MAGA won't be fucking doing that? But here's the problem. In these two factions, you have the ones that support Trumpism and all this crazy conspiracy theory bullshit. And then you have the conservatives and or moderates who are trying to get as far away from MAGA as they can because they understand they're not stupid. They understand that MAGA and Trumpism is a loser. We just saw it in the midterms. They have to realize that they have to do something different if they have any hopes of winning any elections in 2024. So here's what could conceivably happen. 
who say they take it to the House floor and say, we want to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. That's well and good for MAGA and the Freedom Caucus. They'll get their votes, certainly. But will the other Republicans jump on board? And I doubt it. Why would they? If they're trying to get as far away from MAGA as possible, why would they sidle up to them and continue with the crazy bullshit that they know is a loser because they just fucking saw it? Now, I could be wrong about this. I'm just looking at it with some common sense and some logic. If you've got two factions, they don't like each other. They don't agree on anything. It took 15 fucking ballots to vote for a Speaker of the House. What do you think is going to happen with a more contentious bill? Like coming up with these hearings. You know, committees could have these hearings without being voted on in the um, in the full House. But the thing is, it's going to go nowhere. There's a problem in the House of Representatives with the Republicans. They have a slim majority. They have to look now. You know, they're always looking ahead to the next election. And the next election, real election, is 2024 for the president and for, you know, representatives and senators and that stuff. And the Republicans have really shit the bed. I mean, the midterms prove it. They can't just do nothing. Between now and 2024, they have to accomplish some things. Now, the MAGA fucks maybe don't care because all they are worried about is tearing down the system and turning everything upside down. But they're going to have to have some agreement from the more reasonably minded Republicans in order to pull that off. And the reasonably minded Republicans who are a bigger faction in the House of Representatives are going to want to not be involved in that shit. So what that means really is if you can't have the Republicans unifying and doing things together, you're not going to accomplish anything. This is why I've said that the Republicans might have been better off in losing the House of Representatives and keeping the Democrats in charge as opposed to winning by a slim margin. Now, everything that happens in the House will become a campaign ad for the Democrats coming up in 2024. Now, if all they did is deal with conspiracy theories and accomplish nothing for the people of this country, they're going to get blamed for it. Now, the moderate folks know this. So what do they do? They can't side with MAGA because they're trying to get away from them. They're trying to get away from the losing cause there. So ultimately, they're going to have to do something. They're either going to do nothing or do something. And if they have any hopes of doing something, they're going to have to work with the Democrats to a certain extent. And we've already seen that with the, um, with, with the two bills that recently passed with a bipartisan vote. So I think what you're going to see, I know a lot of people were afraid about the Republicans taking control of the House and all the damage they can do. I don't know that they can do a lot of damage. They can make noise and they can scream and rant and spew rhetoric. But I don't think they can do any real damage. And then you have to factor in, and this is a story we'll talk about in this podcast, the investigations and the indictments. Some of these people, these Republicans sitting in the House of Representatives, might be in a far different situation in a month or two than they are now. 
and their power will be stripped away. They'll be looking at indictments, and that paints a whole different picture with the Republican faction in the House of Representatives. If these people get expelled or indicted or whatever happens, that could change the, 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 the visage of, of the House of Representatives. And it's conceivable that the majority could slip to the Democrats. Because it's such a thin margin. I wouldn't be too worried about the House of Representatives. Frankly, if they do nothing between now and 2024, shouldn't surprise us. And thank God for that, because that will cost them the 2024 election. I think they've already took a shit on the 2024 election. This will just add uh, 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 frosting to the top of the cake. So I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think they'll be able to accomplish much. Uh, they're not a party that likes uh, accomplishing much. Uh, so I don't see that as a real big deal. As I say, I could be wrong. But uh, in all my guesses up to this point, I've been right. And it's not because I'm a genius. It's because instead of looking at clickbait, I'm looking at the facts. We clearly have a divided party in the Republicans in the House of Representatives. If you have a divided party, you have no power. That's just common sense. And then you throw in some indictments and all other kinds of crazy shit. I don't see this panning out very well for the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. I think the Senate has kind of settled down and resolved to the fact that the Democrats have the uh, power. They have 51 seats. There's not much the Republicans can do there. And people like Mitch McConnell and some of the more reasonable senators realize this whole MAGA shit while they wrote it for a while, is now a loser. So they're not even going to try to engage with some of the shit. I think you'll find Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans kind of uh, pushing away the House of Representatives, the Republicans there. They don't want to be embarrassed by the crazy bullshit that they're going to be spewing and trying to do. So if you're worried about the House of Representatives, honestly, I think that the position the Democrats are in now currently in the House of Representatives is pretty strong and certainly stronger than the Republicans. If I'm a Republican counting on the House of Representatives, I might want to think again about it because they don't have any power right now. They might have three or four more votes, but if they can't come together, don't mean shit. So don't worry about it. It's going to be entertaining, though. We may not get much done in the House of Representatives, but I'll guarantee you it's going to be fucking entertaining. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you watch the 14th and 15th ballots on Friday night into early Saturday morning in the attempt to elect a Speaker of the House, you'll remember one very compelling point right after the 14th ballot. And apparently, Matt Gates double-crossed the Republican Party. Oh, who would have guessed that Matt Gates could have done something like that? But he certainly did. Well, it caused a lot of problems. Kevin McCarthy walked up to talk to him. And then another guy by the name of Mike Rogers, a Republican from Alabama, came up. And he was furious. He was losing his shit. He was yelling at, threatening Matt Gates and Matt Gates sat there like a dumb fuck, like he tends to do. 
But it got out of hand and somebody else, another rep, grabbed Mike Rogers and put his hand over his mouth. I'm presuming that Mike Rogers was probably saying some things that could get him in trouble. But he pulled him away from it. So it was kind of a contentious moment, something you don't typically see in the House of Representatives. Now, but but nobody really knew what was being said. We knew Rogers was angry at Matt Gates, and justifiably so, if they had worked out a deal with Matt Gates to give Kevin McCarthy the win on the 14th ballot. And of course, Kevin McCarthy failed on the 14th ballot. Now, during an appearance on MSNBC on Saturday afternoon, a very amused representative, Raja Krishnamurthy, he's a Republican uh, from Illinois, was asked by host Alex Witt to describe what went down late Friday night when Representative Matt Gates and now Speaker Kevin McCarthy got into an argument over Florida lawmakers' present vote that forced a 15th roll call vote after midnight. The argument preceded Representative Mike Rogers of Alabama having to be restrained from physically attacking the seated gates, which shocked fellow lawmakers and viewers watching the proceedings on C-SPAN or whatever you watched it on. After everything you've seen this week, what does it foreshadow for you on the challenges Democrats are going to face working with the Republicans in Congress? particularly with the extreme MAGA Republicans negotiating uh, now from positions of power, host Witt prompted the lawmaker. The lawmaker explained, Unfortunately, the chaos of last night, I think, portends more chaos, especially on important issues such as the debt limit, raising the debt limit, avoiding government shutdowns, and so forth. I have to say the other thing is, my son a few years ago asked me, What's a swearing in? He said, what swear words are you going to be using at this event? He added as he began smiling and wit could be heard laughing. And last night, I got to tell you, the F-bombs were flying, especially on the Republican side. He goes on to say, I was in the scrum near Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy and then Mike Rogers, and I have not seen any scenes like that on the floor of the House in my time in Congress. He admitted before adding, I hoped to not see it again. Witt interjected, wow, I can just imagine. It was really weird. And you know, the thing about it is there were some weird things about that coverage in the House of Representatives. When you don't have a Speaker of the House and you don't have people willing to stick with the norms. You have to understand there are no rules in the House at that point. Once the Speaker of the House um, is elected, then they have to go to the Rules Committee and set up rules. But everybody was running roughshod there. It was like the Old West, not only the politicians, but the media too. If you noticed very carefully as you were watching how uh, how this election was being shown in the media, you saw a lot of camera angles you wouldn't normally see. In fact, had this been a normal situation and we had a Speaker of the House, you probably would have never seen Mike Rogers go after Matt Gates. There are strict rules as to where the cameras can look. And what happens is 
the media puts their cameras in there, and the cameras are run by government employees. So they are made to only get certain angles. Well, that wasn't an issue on Friday night. So we saw it all. We saw it warts and all in the House of Representatives. It started to look like one of those... Uh, remember when you see the uh, Parliament in... in uh, England or some of these third world countries where they have all out fights on the floor. It looked like we might be heading that way in the House of Representatives Friday night. Fortunately, Mike Rogers was subdued. Um, I'm thinking Matt Gates probably had to change his underwear because Matt Gates doesn't look like a fighter to me. So it was weird. There were people swearing and yelling and screaming, something you wouldn't expect. You would think there'd be some respect in the House of Representatives, but apparently not from Republicans or the MAGA group. They're just like drunken sailors in a shitty bar someplace. They can't control their tempers. They can't be trusted on anything. And this is what we're talking about with the Republican Party. I think this, this representative is right that we're looking at more chaos in the future in the House of Representatives. And frankly, if we have more chaos, it can only do two things. It will make the Republicans look worse and nothing will get done. And the end result of that, the Republicans will be fucked in the 2024 election. So, you want to make a chaos, you want to make fools out of yourself, I say, Godspeed. Go ahead, destroy yourself, because that's what they're going to do. Now, with Republican leader Kevin McCarthy assuming the House speakership after 15 grueling, I mean grueling, roll call, and boring too, I'll tell you that too, roll call vote counts due to a faction in his own caucus who bitterly opposed him, MAGA or the Freedom Caucus, one GOP advisor claimed that anti-McCarthy GOPers are likely going to pay for putting up a protracted fight. And I find this interesting because Kevin McCarthy gave up a lot of his power to the MAGA Fox. But this gentleman is saying that they're going to pay for their crimes, which I would suspect would be true. But does Kevin McCarthy have the wherewithal anymore to do really anything unless... Kevin McCarthy goes back on some of his promises. And that's where one of the problems was in this whole thing. He could make all kinds of promises, but nobody in the Republican Party trusts Kevin McCarthy. He is a snake in the grass. He'll tell you one thing and then do another. We have watched it. We watched it after the January 6th insurrection, how he said it was horrible and it was Donald Trump's fault. And then days later, he goes down and buddies up with Donald fucking Trump. Jesus Christ. Now, speaking with CNN host Alex Marquardt, conservative campaign consultant Alice Stewart explained the bitterness of the speaker vote will linger and that some of their Republican colleagues in the House are furious about their demands for more power. So maybe maybe the problems won't come from Kevin McCarthy, but their colleagues in the House of Representatives. Not sure what that would be, but I'm here for it. They want to fuck with Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these other clowns. I'm down. 
One of the next things that's going to happen in the near future, Alice, is committee assignments. This is not entirely up to Speaker McCarthy. There's a steering committee that assigns members of Congress to various committees. How do you expect or where do you expect some of these conservative rebels, as we've been calling them, in terms of what they may or may not get in terms of committee assignments? Now, they were getting assurances from uh, Kevin McCarthy, but as they say, he doesn't have the last word on it. This uh, consultant says, I don't think there's going to be as much under the Christmas tree for them in that regard as they seem to think. Stewart quickly replied, speaking with a lot of members of the rational Republican group throughout the weekend, specifically late into the night last night, they were frustrated. They were angry. They felt this was completely unnecessary given the fact that every concession they had requested had been met. And this was not a matter of policy. This was about a personality conflict with Kevin McCarthy. And I think that goes without saying. I think it's even more than that, though. They were trying to create the chaos, the uncertainty. Their goal is to take down the system, not so much to do anything of substance in the House of Representatives. Here these people have gone in day in and day out for all the right reasons for the party and for policies. And you have people like Representative Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, who are in a vanity project to raise money for the future. They do have the opportunity to decide who gets on which committee and where. And I can guarantee you, Alex, that they're going to be quite selective in who gets on which committee. So as much as Kevin McCarthy may have made promises, Kevin McCarthy always knew, well, it's not all my decision. So these guys may not do so well. And if that's the case, you have to suggest that Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and all these MAGA fucks are just stupid. They didn't protect themselves. She says, certainly Matt Gates has designed the prize of a key committee assignment, but they're going to be in for a rude awakening because the colleagues are frustrated with the fact that they have a job to do. Okay, so now these people were guaranteed or promised these plum rolls on the committees. What do you think's going to happen if they don't get them? More infighting, more chaos, more doing nothing. That's what I'm saying about this Republican faction in the House of Representatives. They are going to be constantly fighting, constantly trying to take uh, Kevin McCarthy out of his job. But unfortunately, MAGA doesn't have the majority of the Republicans in the House of Representatives. You have the more normal-minded Republicans, or at least Republicans who are trying to be normal-minded, that are going to fight against them. If they have more than the MAGA faction, well, then these fuckers are going to have trouble. Kevin McCarthy can promise anything, but if the normal-minded Republicans want to do something different, well, then MAGA is fucked. Hours after Republican House Leader Kevin McCarthy finally was voted in as Speaker of the House, a panel on MSNBC was already debating how long he would be able to hold on to the gavel after a short honeymoon period. Keep in mind, one of the concessions he gave is the um, option of the motion to vacate. This is something that Nancy Pelosi did not have in her deal. Kevin McCarthy 
had to take it down even another notch than where they wanted it initially. Basically, what happens in the House of Representatives, one person can stand up and say, I would like a vote of no confidence for Kevin McCarthy. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to lose that vote. But if these guys, this one person, presumably somebody from MAGA, comes up and says, I want a vote of no confidence, they're going to spend more time arguing about whether Kevin McCarthy should continue as Speaker of the House or not. That was a mistake for Kevin McCarthy. He gave away everything just so he could get that title. But in the end, he may not hold that title very long. Now, speaking with host Amen Mohideen, former Representative Dave Jolly started off by suggesting the honeymoon with his GOP colleagues would be short if it happens at all and that he will soon be mired in dealing with a caucus he apparently has no control over with such a slim margin for error. Because, again, we had six people holding out against Kevin McCarthy, right? They could not get anybody elected speaker. So if those six people still continue to decide to hold out against other bills, they have the same problem. And this time, there won't be as much pressure on MAGA, so they can just fuck up this whole mess. And let's be honest, that's all they want to do anyway. Jolly said, it's going to be tested very soon over this rules package. Half of what McCarthy has promised is actually in the rules package. If he can't pass it, it would be in this odd scenario where he uses the rules package to get votes for speaker. But they can't actually implement what he promises. That would be a stress test in the next week. Let's say they survived it, he continued. The real test will be around keeping the government open through the annual budget process, which would be at the end of this year, and accommodating the debt ceiling, which will absolutely require working with Democrats. Because, you see, if because they have the majority, the Republicans, if they choose to shut down the government, then the Republicans get the blame. So theoretically, the Democrats would say, yeah, fuck you. We're not going to uh, help you out on this one. That's not what they'll do. When he says keeping the debt ceiling up and the budget process and all this stuff, when he says they're going to have to count on the Democrats, what they're getting at is that, you know, there might be anywhere from six to 20 of these MAGA fucks that vote against it because they want to shut down the country. So what that will mean is they'll need 20 Democrats to vote for it in order to get it passed. The big difference here is if it was the opposite way, uh, Democrats trying to get Republicans, we know what the Republicans do. They just vote against everything that the Democrats want to do. They were obstructionist. Now, in this case, the Democrats don't want the country shut down or the government shut down any more than the reasonable-minded Republicans so it should be no problem to pass. So you see, the MAGA fucks are going to have a problem. They might have 20 people fighting against this, but all they need then is 20 people from the Democrats, and they'll get that easily because the Democrats have 213 votes. This is where MAGA is going to get stepped on, and they are going to get weakened because the Republicans will have to deal with the Democrats. They will pass some shit, and MAGA will lose every time, just like Donald Trump has. 
Turning to former RNC spokesman Tim Miller, Mohadeen asked, Your thoughts, when does the honeymoon end? Miller laughed and he says, I don't think he's going on a honeymoon. I think it's going to be pretty unpleasant one, if so. White Lotus style honeymoon. Now, I haven't watched that show, so I don't get that joke, but I'm sure many of you do. <clears throat> I'm interested to see if it makes it through the year, he continued. I think that what Representative Jolly has brought up is the key point here. John Boehner had a little bit of a leash at a couple of times to work with the Democrats to get a couple of things done because it was the only way to get it through before he got pushed down. I don't think Kevin will have any leash. The first time he needs Democratic votes to pass something, he will be the last week of his speaker shift. I think it will be interesting to see if he survives the year. So what they're saying there basically is MAGA is going to say, we're not voting for this. We're shutting it down. As soon as he goes to the Democrats to help them pass a bill, the MAGA fucks are going to be marginalized and they are going to be pissed. And that's when you're going to get the request for a vote of no confidence. You see, Kevin McCarthy might be excited that he's Speaker of the House, but it is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for him to hold on to his position. Now, this doesn't help Kevin McCarthy either. After barely becoming the Speaker of the House on Friday night, Kevin McCarthy made sure to effusively praise Donald Trump. Kev, do you not learn a fucking lesson? Trump had long supported McCarthy for the position. The former president has tried to give the California congressman a boost this week, though his endorsement fell on deaf ears. Still, McCarthy told reporters. But I do want to especially thank President Trump. I don't think you should doubt anybody, should doubt his influence. He was with me from the beginning, and he's still all in. He would call me and he would call others. And he really was. I was just talking to him tonight. Oh, that's that's a flex, helping to get those final votes. And what he's really saying, really for the party and the country, that we have to come together. We have to focus on the economy. We've got to focus on making our border secure. We've got to do so much. We've got so much work to do. And he was a great influence to make all that happen. So thank you, President Trump. While McCarthy now holds the most powerful position within the Republican Party, he will still have a lot of people to answer to. This includes the Republican lawmakers, whom he made countless promises to, but it also includes Trump at the top, who McCarthy has always been beholden to. What Kevin McCarthy, now Kevin McCarthy is not a smart man. He really is not a smart man. Um, and by siding still with Donald Trump, that is a problem. The idea of saying Trump's name and bringing unifying or unity into the sentence is fucking ridiculous. Donald Trump is the essence of divisiveness. He divided his party, he divided this country, and he's made this government a mess. Donald Trump did not bring any unity to the Republican Party. It took 15 fucking ballots, and they had to game it every way they could. They had to promise and cajole Matt Gates and the whole MAGA faction. Well, when it comes down to it, it looks 
like MAGA probably won't get all they're promised, and they will be pissed. There is no unity in the Republican Party in the House of Representatives, and even if there was, the last motherfucker that would be responsible for it would be Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy made a mistake when he went down to Mar-a-Lago after the insurrection, giving Donald Trump some credibility and a little more power and pulling him back into the party. When they were done with Donald Trump and he had lost the presidential election, the smart thing would have been to let him go off in the sunset and shut his fucking mouth. But Kevin McCarthy wasn't having it. He had to bring him back in, give him some more power, give him a voice. And ever since, they've been doing nothing but losing. How does Kevin McCarthy not see that? Well, it's because Kevin McCarthy is too worried about getting this job title and not very smart politically. If you talk to people or you hear people talking about Kevin McCarthy, nobody says he's a really smart guy. He's not. He's a sycophant. He's a lightweight. And we are now going to see what happens when you have a Speaker of the House who is a sycophant and a lightweight paying homage to a former president that might very well get indicted. We'll see how that works for Kevin McCarthy. I'll guarantee you it's not going to work well. The Republican Party will become a shit show. All right. Now, during a talk with Sirius XM's Dean Obadiah, Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece, noted that people who supported her uncle Donald apparently want her dead. Mary Trump has proven to be a valuable resource to the American people. She has special insight into the mind of her uncle. That's got to be confusing. That others just can't provide. According to her service to the country has led to wishes for her death. This isn't surprising. Anybody that spoke out against Donald Trump, these MAGA fucks would come out and threaten death. Now, I think in most cases, these people are weak-minded, weak, physical people that aren't really going to do it. But you've got to take this stuff seriously. People can't just go out making these death threats and get away with it. I hope, hopefully, they will be held accountable. She said, I think I've started, what I've started doing in the last few months is turning away from trying to figure out elected Republicans. We need to figure out the people who continue to vote for these people because who, who votes for Matt Gates and thinks that's a good idea. Or, you know, who voted for a Democrat in 2020 and then two years later was like, yeah, you know, two years they just look away. What information, what data do they use to decide to make that big shift? It's an excellent question. The niece of the former president later told the host, but you, you know there are tens of millions of our fellow citizens who are absolutely anti-democratic. They're anti-American, and they're, they're basically anti-human. I mean, I always think of it this way. They all want me and people like me dead. I just want them to have health care. You know, it's like that's the contrast. That's the crazy thing. Liberals want to do things for the people of this country. And for whatever reason, the Republicans are against it. And if, they have, if the liberals have the audacity to say it, now the Republicans want to kill them. That's the kind of people we're dealing with. That's the kind of people that will ultimately fade from our politics. It's in the cards. 
they aren't going to last through 2028. They're going to be done. At that point, we'll have millennials and and, uh, Gen Zs as the majority voters. They don't vote for Republicans. The Republicans know they're being they're hanging by a thread. They're in a precarious position and they are not long for this world. We'll talk more about politics in a minute, but this is a story I wanted to bring up because it's fucking absolutely appalling. I don't even know how this happens. A six year old boy was taken into police custody after he shot a teacher at Richneck Elementary School in Newport News, Virginia, on Friday afternoon. A six-year-old child somehow got his hands on a gun and shot his fucking teacher. Please explain to me how this happens. In a news conference held later on Friday, Police Chief Steve Drew confirmed the age of the student, but not their name due to his minor status. Drew said that the shooting was not accidental. It was part of an altercation. A six-year-old kid gets mad at a teacher and has the wherewithal and access to a gun to shoot said teacher. The fuck? The individual is a six-year-old student, Chief Drew told reporters. We have been in contact with our Commonwealth attorney and some other entities to help us best get services to this young man. Well, I'll tell you what you also should do. You should also bring his parents into fucking jail. If you're the parent of a six-year-old who somehow gets access to a gun and shoots a principal or shoots a teacher, the uh, parents are fucking up, fucking up big, and they have no business trying to raise a child. Now, during Friday's news conference, Newport News Public Schools Superintendent Dr. George Parker said he was saddened by the shooting and called for better gun safety measures from the community to keep firearms away from children. I'm in shock. I'm disheartened, Dr. Parker told the press. We need to educate our children and we need to keep them safe. I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. of the problems in this country are due to shitty parents. And this is the essence of some shitty parents. Any way you look at it, it's got to be on the parents. This fucking kid is six. It's impossible to even imagine. Law enforcement authorities and the Newport News Public School District withheld the identity of the teacher who was shot and critically injured. Now, CNN reports the teacher's alma mater, James Madison University, identified her as Abby Zwerner. Wow. Newport News Mayor Philip D. Jones said Saturday that the authorities were working to answer questions the community has grappled with since the shooting. Authorities are now working diligently to get an answer to their question. We are all asking, how does this happen exactly? We are also working to ensure that child receives the support and services he needs as we continue to process what took place. It's impossible to wrap our minds around the fact that a six-year-old first grader brought a loaded handgun to school and shot a teacher. However, this is exactly what our community is grappling with today. I would hope so. I can't imagine anybody can fucking explain this. Like I said, I had to interrupt the political part just to talk about that. This this is appalling. 
And I don't know what it's going to take to get some kind of gun laws in this country. Certainly not a slim majority in the House. That's not going to help. But come 2024, if we can get control of the House, maintain control of the Senate, maybe we can get some things done. You folks that vote Republican, please explain to me how you do that. You saw the shit shit show that ensued last week and on Friday night. And then you see all these shootings in schools. What's ironic was if we go back to Sandy Hook and that whole Alex Jones bullshit, There was a gunman who went in there and shot like 26-year-olds, first graders. But now we have a six-year-old coming in and shooting a teacher. This has got to be embarrassing to everybody involved, gun proponents, the NRA, to these fucking parents that are supposed to be supervising this child and clearly having a clue. I don't care who these people are or what they're like. They need to be held accountable. You can't hold the six-year-old accountable. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But it's it's worrisome to know that he knows he can pick up a gun, load a, a gun, and shoot somebody. Six-year-olds don't think like that. Six-year-olds don't think about shooting people. There is something extraordinarily off going on in this situation and they need to get to the bottom of it to make sure something like this doesn't happen again all right back to some politics and and this is something i found really interesting we're going to wrap it up after this one Um, after kevin mccarthy finally secured the votes to become the speaker of the house democrat hakeem jeffries the leader of the democratic party in the house gave a rousing and very unifying speech. Now, McCarthy became the speaker during the 15th vote, as you know. It was not easy for him. The California lawmaker won votes by giving pretty much every concession to any Republican who asked for it. The four days were marked by chaos and controversy with one GOP lawmaker even attempting to attack enemy Matt Gates. And actually, I was hoping that that guy would get to him. That was Mike Rogers from Alabama, as we talked about earlier. Now, there was a strong contrast between what was going on with the Republican Party in the House and what was happening with the Democrats in the House. You'll note that every vote, all 15 votes, Hakeem Jeffries got all Democratic votes. They were very unified which is the key to any success in politics. Now, during each of the 15 votes, Jeffrey secured every Democratic vote, and after the dust settled, he spoke on the House floor. And I got to tell you, that speech, I had to watch it again a couple times. I had to show it to my wife. It was an excellent speech. And it supported everything I thought about Hakeem, Gen- uh, Hakeem Jeffries. This guy's very smart very articulate, very passionate, and uh, he's a no-nonsense guy. He's not going to take shit. He's going to be a good, strong leader, but he's going to be a tough leader. And if the Republicans think they can go head-to-head with him, they're mistaken. The House Minority Leader began 
Over the last two years, House Democrats, in a partnership with President Biden and our colleagues in the Senate, have been hard at work on behalf of the American people getting big things done, which is true. They got more things done in the first two years of a presidency than any other president or House of Representatives in the history of this country. Hakeem Jeffries is from New York. He's a lawmaker. He continued, I want to make clear that we will never compromise our principles. House Democrats will always put American values over autocracy. And then he did something kind of interesting. Jeffries went from A to Z, listing off the ways that Democrats were different than Republicans. The line that got the most applause that I loved is, we will put maturity over Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I love that. You see what I mean about Hakeem Jeffries? He'll shove it in their face, and it's about time somebody did. It was a great week for Jeffries, who has a shining, bright future within the party. The star-making speech was the cherry on top. If Joe Biden decides not to run in 2024, many will surely be calling on Jeffries to give it a shot. <clears throat> and I couldn't agree more. You know what it was? Uh, there, there, there was a little essence of uh, Barack Obama there, and it wasn't because Hakeem Jeffries is black. It was he is a good speaker, he's very articulate, and he gets to the point. The one difference between Barack Obama and Hakeem Jeffries, I would say, and this is not to put down Barack Obama, Hakeem Jeffries seems stronger, more assertive. And that's exactly the kind of thing the Democrats need. As I've said before, the era of the old white man should go away. We need some diversity and we need younger people fighting for the Democratic Party. And Hakeem Jeffries seems to be the essence, seems to be the exact type of person that will. So I would not be surprised if Biden decides not to run that Hakeem Jeffries might at the very least, I would suspect we would see him in 2028. But Hakeem Jeffries will run for the presidency, and I would say he's got an excellent chance of winning after the Republicans fuck themselves over six ways from Sunday. How appropriate. It's Sunday today. Anyway, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.